0: Welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney, and this week's guest, I have to say, I have admired her work from afar. Um, and I'm really, really delighted that she agreed to come on the podcast. So, um, first of all, I'll say welcome, Laura. Oh, thank you for having me on your podcast. So, this is Laura Overton, and I know her from some work she has now told me was a labor of love for. for Fifteen years, for well, many, many years, um, from the work that she did in towards maturity. And if you haven't seen the work she did in terms of um, the research she did, I, I recommend that you you dig it out and go and take a look at it because there was some really useful, um, it, really useful research that for me definitely resonated as someone who'd been in the learning and development world. But um, over and above that, that's just part of what Laura does. She's an award-winning learning and development industry analyst speaker, and she is co founder of a project called emerging stronger, which is a global project and she's been filling me in on I think perhaps you can share a little bit about that at the end and direct to people to it if they're interested in in it Laura. Is there anything else you'd like to just position in terms of who you are and what you do um, from your point of view, Laura. But without making me sound too old. <laughs> oh, I thought, I'm, I'm so you on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highly experienced and all that.
1: Experience, that's what it is. Absolutely. That's the word. That's the word. Now, I've been in the industry since the mid-80s and predominantly been in the edtech environment. So... I've kind of lived and grown with the changing world of um, automated learning and technology, and I'm just so fascinated by the impact that change is having on us and the role that we can have as people professionals to bring out the best. But I guess my key thing, is that how do we bring out the best in ourselves in order to bring out the best in other people as well? So I think that's probably been the red thread throughout all of the
0: different aspects of my career. And I think your um, LinkedIn sort of handle, if you like, continually curious about learning, innovation and business impact. It, that's a really great way of summary, it, isn't it? Being curious, if you're in a learning role, um, if you want to grow, continue to grow, doesn't matter how long we've been in you know, in any organization or an industry, being continually curious about where it's taking us. And that's, again, how obviously I was aware of you. And then you really picked my interest in terms of a blog that you put out recently about data and and that aspect of we know that we're increasingly being told as people professionals to be more data driven, right, in terms of those sort of things. I mean, the CIPD would talk about being evidence based. And often that links to data. And my sense is that that is something that people are sometimes a bit fearful of. So I thought that's something for us to explore in this and how can we maybe demystify it a little bit? Uh, but perhaps so this, the starting point might be when someone says that we're being data driven or we must go to the data. What 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 do you think they mean by that or what should we mean by that in a people profession way? A lot of questions in there. What should
1: we mean? What, what could we? we mean? What do we mean? <laughs> Probably yeah. are all answered very, very differently. Uh, you know, I think that there is a real passion around we've got to get hold of the data because of the emphasis on technology, on AI, on big data, on our dashboards. On, and I think, Lucinda, and I think this is what really concerns me, is often we're looking at data being data driven. Is, is almost like how do we prove ourselves? As people professionals yeah <laughs> how do we how do we actually show that we're doing something and you can prove that we're doing something because to date without data our work hasn't necessarily been as tangible as say our counterparts in other parts of the business so i think we've kind of grasped data thinking can we be seen can we be seen and i don't necessarily think that's a good definition and a good starting point for being data driven and i think just as you were asking me that question, I was reflecting. I've, I think I've always been data driven. She said in air 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 quotes around data driven, because I, if I'm honest, I was um, a young female in a technology driven male environment for the early part of my career. I had ideas, I had um, background, I had um, an academic background, understood about learning, but I didn't have a voice Um, and it was very difficult to be heard in a very traditional environment. So I think I became data driven because I realized that when I had evidence behind my voice, I got heard and it just happened to be something that I noticed. Early in my career, the more I could quote other people's research and work in making my point, the more I was heard in my industry. So I think for me personally, that's what data driven has meant for me. Data evidence that comes from beyond just my opinion
0: or my that's personal a, experience. That's so interesting. Well, it just—it's so interesting you say that, right? Because uh, we, we both feel that like we've been around, been around the block of so I, I a bit. So, I—I was a young professional female in a technology male-driven environment, and I felt that I had to have. Kind of, well, I say data evidence, and it was slightly different. So, I probably had to. I—I I see it as things like numbers. So metrics. So things like a balanced school card. So both are correct. So if you like, both are, could be seen as data. So we're saying, what do we mean by data? So it could be research evidence. And this is what was done in, in this um, organization that's comparable. So that's sort of third-party evidence. Ours was maybe what evidence have we got in our engagement survey um metrics that shows that people um you know are unhappy, or or what's the what data have we got in terms of attrition um or retention, which means that Um, I need you, Mr. FD, to take me seriously and invest in our training because I'm trying to prove to you that we've got a problem and I can also prove that we've got a return on investment if you let me do X, Y, Z. So... It, so it was that kind of thing and funny enough it was your towards maturity piece that I used when I did a session on how to build a balanced scorecard um it, it was another ways in which you can get that kind of data so isn't that interesting we both used it yeah. almost to give us credibility yeah um, and the, I think um, sometimes
1: we're becoming too too data driven and with a different emphasis on the word there that it's We're we're suddenly looking at the problem or the issue or the questions that we're bringing to our profession and we're saying, I've got to use the data. You know, where's the data? Where's the data? We're actually, you know, it it, um, messes up the balance a little bit when we become too data driven in the sense that everything is about the numbers and the analytics and the fear of the numbers and the fact that I can't analyze it. And, and we can become paralyzed um, within that environment if we're not used to it. So for me, being data-driven actually is about being curious and being willing to look at alternative sources of insight and information um, in order to come up with a proof point if you like a data is all about evidence and evidence is about proving and it's not just about proving our value but it might be about improving it might even be about disproving uh, something And you know, I've had a, a conversation earlier today about how we're challenged as um, you know how do, how do we allow ourselves to be challenged by data as professionals as well you know are we willing to question ourselves when we're We're confronted with different sources of evidence that made us say, well, maybe the way I did it in the past might not be necessarily the best way for the future. So, the proof points to ourselves and to other people are really, really important when it comes down to data. And and notice we're not talking about any sums here, we're not talking about any maths or technology. At this point in time, but we're talking about the power that evidence can give us as people professionals to have a voice and to be flexible and to
0: change and to adapt. So it's kind of about there's something about when we're talking about it, it's seeing themes. And also uh, things of, of the evidence indicates, but it's not absolute when it comes to people's stuff, is it either? Though, Because it is kind of things that, that suggest something and it's almost the best evidence that's available to you um, there. And we have to be open minded and also not threatened maybe by the fact yeah. that it might change what we did last year. It might have been the best thing we could do with the evidence. But actually now we think it's a better thing to do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think I think you're absolutely right there. I did a, I did a study on L and D's relationship with data. I think it was probably three or four years ago, um, and it was just really interesting because we said, okay, well, what do you want data to do for you? And I was Listen, i talk about L&D, but actually it's it's the same for any of the people, professionals. I and mean, when we asked that question, I said, OK, I want it to help me to make a business case. I want it to help me to make smarter recommendations. We had to spot what's needed. Um, I want it to be able to help me to um, improve engagement. I want it to help me to prove myself, you know, and. And these are all real things that we have to do all of the time. Um, But when we start to say, OK, well, what do we need to do to to be a better people professional to serve our organization? It's those questions that allow us to say, OK, now I can go out and explore. Now I can go out and find out what that data might be that can help me answer those questions in smarter ways cleverer ways, ways that build on other people's experience, ways that build on the experiences that are beyond HR within our organization, to other parts of the business. You know, how do we connect and collaborate together? And data creates that bridges, the bridges that we need to be able to move forward and
0: to, to take ground really. Absolutely. So so what stops us in what why do you think we sometimes don't do that? Um
1: well, I know we were talking about this when you, you had a I had a read of the article. I was having a, a little bit of fun, but actually um you've articulated it so much better than I did in the article about the kind of traps and the, the that stops us. And I came up with four personas um, that really look looked at the kind of challenges that we have in our relationship with data. Um one was being the data junkie. I guess that's that point about being too data driven, you know. So you know, I can't do anything, I can't move. I'm you show me the data, you know, you're giving me a recommendation, but where's the data? And then we get even more narrow minded and say, no, but where's the data from my organization and my sector rather than somebody else's okay. sector? You know, we can be very, very um, focused. There are the data deniers as well. You know, and that when we're still very strong, it's, you know, my instinct, my gut, my experience has got me here so far. And we all know about statistics. You know, there are lies, damn lies and statistics. And look, I've won awards and I never needed a, a bit of data. Um, you know, there's a, there's a danger with that um, as well, because we're missing out. You know, when the world is changing so rapidly, we're not learning yeah we're we're not we're not hungry to to learn you know so the data junkie gets paralyzed the data denier um, can become too much of an expert and when being an expert means that they um, are unable to adapt in a way that is needed in a changing
0: environment yeah and when the world There's is moving faster than your experience you can't always say your my experience might have got might have been relevant then but it might not be yeah. relevant now exactly nice, exactly
1: our environments have changed you know and it's not just with HR people and, and people professionals it's right across the board there's another one as well the third one for me was that I called them the data dabblers say that like, I'm, I'm really big on data but actually it's basically the data that you've got on your HR dashboard yeah that you've got your system in place and it's giving you your dashboard about what you're doing it's kind of quite myopic in yeah. the sense of um, you know we're just managing our own dashboard and we're not seeing the bigger picture um around us um and and uh always, always lots of excuses about why we can't look at the data in other areas you know I can't get hold of the data I can't connect with them but I can look at my own I can look at
0: my completion rates or my hours spent learning or it's almost like measuring, it measuring what you can measure rather than the stuff that makes a difference isn't it it's just like yes else, absolutely just absolutely yeah
1: you know and and the one and the one that kind of concerns me a little bit in terms of the the traps that we fall into around about data is the ones that, where we put our heads in the hat in the sand the data ostriches and for me this is the one that makes me the saddest because i see it so regularly that um when as people professionals particularly on the learning side when you say the word data you immediately conflate data with the concept of proving return on investment and when you're trying Trying to prove return on investment has what i've done been successful in this organization has it shifted behavior has it made a business difference it is so difficult to do that to be able to isolate it and so frightening Because what if you can't isolate the fact that you made a difference? And it's almost like you're sticking your head above the parapet. And the idea of data conflated as being a return on investment um, can make so many just be so nervous of that and literally put our heads in the sand. So I think there's some some really significant um, psychological traps that we have with our relationship with data that can really kind of trip us up um, rather yeah. than being liberated in the way that we, you and I were talking about um, earlier you
0: know for for us li- data actually liberates gave us well, it gave, and gave us confidence and gave us credibility we were using it as a tool yeah. for that yes yeah yeah you had, yeah you had to have the confidence in the first place to do to do that and and also push back one thing it's interesting when you're talking about the sort of um, the narrow bit because it's the balance and, and yeah. um, I, I think one of the very early podcasts I did was with Rob Breener um, oh, yes. and um, he love that guy, yeah. Well, he's he, but he's really likes to shake it up, doesn't he? And he, all about yeah. a bit, all about the evidence? He was actually my um professor when I, I did master's in psychology, he was my professor, it was all remote though, so I hadn't met him until this day. I did this podcast with him, and I, you know, it's great. It's I complete, he's so so good to be challenged by that. And then I said, But if you're an in house L&D person or HR person and you haven't got the evidence, you know, you, you're looking at other things, it's like so what do you do because sometimes you've got to be pragmatic as well and uh and he was like he hates the word pragmatic he wasn't happy but then he's an academic and i think this is the thing where we do also have to have our confidence to go this is the best evidence that i have got and this is you know we are looking at the data that is here and we'll look for more data but also this is our recommendation so we've got to be confident enough to bring it all yeah, together yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, and you know what though, Lissinda, um, I've spent a bit of time um, talking to Rob as well, and he's got the best analogy. Um, In fact, I asked him to record it for me so I could use it in one of my own talks, but... Basically, he was talking about going, and you've probably heard this, but he was talking about going for um, dinner in a foreign country. And you've got to make a decision. It's not something you're going to be planning for decades and decades, you know, before you invest, but you're just going out for supper. And, and he says, you know, you could just walk past the restaurant and see it's really busy, but it might be busy for various different reasons. It's just there's a flood of a party going in or whatever. You could go on to uh, you know, TripAdvisor and explore it there. You could ask the concierge in the hotel. But in a short period of time, you could probably gather a number of different data sources. And from that, he probably probably didn't use the word make a pragmatic
0: decision but from that you I mean, would make a, sure. a smarter decision yeah that would work so for that's, you that's an example of getting the best evidence available to you at the time in then.
1: that time in the yeah. moment in time and you know our evidence bases don't have to come from ourselves it's about being aware of who else has the evidence and just being curious not saying can I have access to your data but I hear you're analyzing this in sales, for example, at the moment. Can you just tell me, what are you you finding out? Because I've got a gut sense. I'd really like to test my gut sense with you. Is is your data showing anything there that maybe I might be able to help with as a people professional, as an an L&D professional? So that to me is, is, you know, our source data, you know, we might just be able to take, data analyst in our organization out for coffee yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that is a good source a good source of data and i think that's it's having we're, we're in the middle of our emerging stronger masterclass at the moment and one of the lenses that we use for professionals to emerge stronger is the data lens and one of our participants recently said you know it's like these diverse sources of truth you know, because every every person every source of data has got a different angle and a different perspective to be able to look through on this lens and it just makes us more informed when we're making our decisions and um, to know how to then apply that knowledge.
0: So really what we're saying though in terms of demystifying data is, is data is all around us. So whether so yeah. it's it's whether you chat to the data as I'm thinking that Also, so we've been running a training course recently with an organisation and they had some cultural challenges and you know the the leaders didn't really understand what the problem was which is quite classic um because quite often it's the leaders isn't it or it's the managers that that, that's the reason because they're part of the problem and when you're facilitating the the training course the examples are coming through thick and fast from people so that's data when people are saying well you know i won't get recognition or i don't have time to do all of this is is kind of evidence you start to build a picture yeah long as you're open-minded yeah. and listening, and I suppose there's one thing maybe a big watch out for us as people professionals is not to go in with our you know our unconscious bias, of course. So I might think yeah. I know the solution and I go out looking for the fact that the problem is the managers. So you've got to be open-minded about what what the real evidence is out there. But, yeah. you know, it, it comes in all forms. Just, you know, even though it's anecdotal, sufficient anecdotes build up a yeah. picture of what the culture is and what the challenges are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that, in fact, even today I was on a call with the Oxford Review that do a lot of uh, reviews of research paper. And there was an absolutely fascinating quote that kind of came through um, from what they were saying. Because they were saying that looking at um, the whole idea of C- um, CPD and with technical CPD, it's very evidence-driven, you know, whether it's medicine or whether it's um engineering, you know it's the, the science goes into that. And yet what they call the adjunct CPD, you know that kind of leadership type training is how few the research is saying, how few evidence papers or, or scientific papers are used in building those types of skills. So we don't really tap into the external scientific literature in our own field. The field of learning science, the field of organizational development or complexity, you know, sort of there there and there are people who translate that type of evidence for us. There are great books that have been written, Mm -hmm. but we tend not to tap into that type of data and evidence that could completely transform our practice, let alone all the big data and the analytics and the dashboards from in their own organization, that kind of scientific evidence. That's interesting,
0: isn't it? I I mean, again, it's one of the conversations I had with Rob Brina because um, in actual fact, that's because quite often the evidence that is out there, if you look in terms of uh, the, the stuff that's written about in journals is... Not necessarily the stuff that's useful to businesses. It, mm-hmm. It's kind of it, it often feels quite disconnected. So I get the psychology, I, mean, I, get, I don't see it it's quite clinically oriented, and maybe some of the ODs, it's not necessarily it doesn't feel that useful. Yeah, and, and it's maybe then that then the problem, the risk with that though, therefore, is that the likes of I don't, know, I'll pick on, I bet I won't pick on, that the, the large um, engagement body that makes lots mm-hmm. of money out of surveys, you know, mm-hmm. they've got a vested interest in improving. In correlation with something because that helps them sell their products so there's also something we've got to be quite cautious about the evidence or the data out there haven't we in terms yeah
1: but you know what though again it's about being sorry rob pragmatic (laughs) (laughs) um it's
0: it's
1: it's about being pragmatic because you know there are so many different sources of data and you know um I, I believe as an industry it's absolutely critical that we're critical <laughs> that, that we are critical thinkers yes. that we're aware of where the biases might be etc but not to become hypercritical yes. because I've also seen dismissive that yes, that, that of it, that people are dismissive or they dig in and dig in and dig in yeah but that was with a group of Uh, 500 people, and actually, I need
0: 550 uh, for it to be valid in my. You know, okay, it's it's not in my industry, but that data doesn't exist in your industry, so that's the best data available now. That's the thing, isn't Exactly,
1: and so I'll dismiss it all because then again, that's the kind of that data junkie You know, you just got to everything's got to be perfect, and in the data world, it is not perfect uh it just is not perfect and and yet there is an illusion that because it's data because it's numbers it's black and white it's not it's always there in a context it's always going to be interpreted Mm -hmm. it's why having communities working on it together having multiple sources are important and coming up with the right thing for your organization if you're a people professional in a small organization you know you're probably surrounded by data, and it's great because you can be part of that. So, okay, what does this mean, and how can we all learn and grow together as a result of what we've found out? I mean, if it's we're tri- siloed, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so but, but so it strikes me a lot of what we're saying here, really, though, is about we both would feel reasonably confident to say well that's the best data available to push back if someone's challenging it in in that way and go but we or to if someone's doing something completely intuitively say well, what's the evidence that makes us think that we, we're we kind of saying that maybe because we've you know been around the block a bit we've perhaps had experience of, of doing that N- not everybody it res- resonates with me, lots of people have this sort of i don't know, almost imposter imposter complex they feel don't feel they feel confident people say i've got to be data driven and that's why they might be over and it doesn't quite tell me that i don't have that confidence I, I mean you've been doing some stuff on sort of mindset haven't you in terms of the psychological thoughts yeah. or so, of, of mindset that would help us do that do you have any tips there or recommendations as to what people could the way we should we should think be open-minded be curious what else is there Well,
1: in the project I was working on with it, or I'm working on with Michelle Ockers and Shannon Tipton from Australia and and America, it's kind of a global initiative that we were looking at initially, how can we as learning professionals emerge stronger as a result of the pandemic? So we did a series of interviews about, you know, right in the heart of middle of 2020, of, of, you know, what what can we do? You know, when everything is changing, all around us, we're disrupted. And what we really noticed in the patterns of those interviews because um, I'm you know I'm a, a data as a data person I'm not necessarily a mathematical person but I'm a pattern creator I'm looking for patterns in what I see and I saw that actually it was less about what people did but it was how they approached it it was kind of almost like they're they're kind of in a game you know uh, you You've been talking about your psychology, uh, masters, you know, the but that, that behavioural wheel that you use in a cognitive behavioural therapy, things like your thinking habits um, influence your behaviour, behaviour influence your feelings, your feelings, infl- you know, that cycle of behaviour and thinking and feelings. And it was really clear that those um, professionals that we were talking to um, had tapped into something around their thinking habits. You know, when they were thinking about their own professional identity, how they saw themselves made a difference. So we identified about five thinking habits. One of them was about how we see our own value. And do we see our value as learning professionals or do we see our value as through the business solutions that we enable as an organization? within the organization so that kind of thinking habit of value Um, you're thinking about habits about how we interact with others do we see ourselves as being the expert I'm the one who is called in to do something or do I see uh, do we see ourselves as a primary role as being empathetic explorers in order to uncover what's needed in an organization in order to apply our expertise and our professionalism uh, you know so it's these this kind of continuums that we that we talked about um, quite a lot and where you are on that continuum also influences your impact and your rep- relationship with data so if you're on the values continuum and you're thinking so you know i'm here i'm here to you know um to deliver values through my learning solutions you're constantly looking for data to prove your learning solutions have worked whereas mm-hmm. if you are there um, saying actually i'm here to co-create value with the business by bringing my expertise to the business you're constantly looking for ways to work with the business mm-hmm. and with their data as well as your own in order to do that if you are seeing yourself as an expert you're looking at data to prove you're right if you see yourselves as an empathetic explorer you're looking for data to help you uncover the best way to add value and you don't mind <laughs> which way it is. You see, you see what I mean. So those the way we think about ourselves influences our behaviour, and influences our responses to the world around us. We're just using data as an example here, and I've given you only two of the five thinking habits. But but that's
0: the, the trick. I wonder if the others fit the same way. Because what I notice about what you said there is the um, it's whether it, you're seeing itself as about being about you, about internal um, there. It's all about you, or whether it's external right so so the impact and and actually if you think it's all about you then you're potentially threatening your own identity if the data's wrong or or then then you're threatened as being an expert and that can that's going to make you feel insecure and anxious whereas if you think that actually I'm about creating value for the organization okay we found that that created some value but what can we do what can we do differently to create more value to improve it yeah yeah, and this resonates with me with well being and anxiety. So I think about my sister comes up in the podcast a lot. I don't think she listens that often, but often her, the world in terms of her is often like it's you know it's almost people oh that's all about me if something's happened like my mum was late to pick her up that's her fault that reflects on her as a person because it was personal to her. It's, no, it was all about my mum. So it, actually, yeah. it's a problem in about me or is a problem out there, and so yeah. it's like the problem out there out there it, yeah. it, that's a negative way of doing it but actually what we're talking about creating value out there as opposed to it being about me yes. is a safe yeah.
1: the other and suddenly people- again data then being data driven when you're at that end of the spectrum no, is um, right. releasing yeah because yeah. It, it's creating opportunities and it's creating new ways to look at how you can add value and how you can work differently with others. And you know, another one of the thinking habits that we talk about is our thinking habit when it comes down to our professional risk. You know, when we're asked to either innovate or to risk, you know, at one end of the spectrum, it's very much a case of, okay, what's worked for me in the past, therefore in this new situation, I will take what's worked for me in the past and I will use it again because my risk, that's how I minimize risk. Whereas at the other end of the spectrum, it, we, it's a more a sense of letting go rather than holding on. You know, if, if I what happens if I let go of what worked for me in the past, what else could I do? And again, data, however where we are and how we think about risk, then will influence how we behave with the data that is around us. <laughs> you know, the the person who is into. Actually, is this an opportunity to let go and explore? We'll be looking at the data to say, what other things could I do in this situation?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so choosing the right mindset and then so again, that's the open minded. So rather than being what yeah. like, you talked off air actually about, it's being um, growth more growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. So this is what's yeah. worked for me the past and that's how I'm going to do it every time yeah. again. Um, yeah. it, it's a bit fixed and it, it might be and you miss out on a totally better way of doing things because yeah. the circumstances might have changed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and you don't have to be in a big team and, you know, with an HR analytics expert in your organisation to be thinking around data in this way. You know, you can be um, an individual working in a small organisation, you know, surrounded by people's stories, people's, you know, the the business dashboards, you know, you've got direct access to the business dashboards in those small organisations. You apply that with some of the science around improving people performance combined with some of the data that's coming through around what time the tools and technologies might be able to yeah, suddenly you're you're being released to say actually maybe there's something new something different I can do to bring value back into the organization.
0: And actually that's lovely pace almost to back to this really what we're saying is this is all about data is about how can you create or co-create value in an organization. Choosing that right mindset is key. Being curious, I mean, you sound so enthusiastic about it. And I think some people might think, oh, data, it's scary. It's it's numbers or, I mean, it can be numbers, but it's also, um, you know, evidence from other areas. It's You talked about it as being patterns. So your data, you say it's about patterns, not necessarily about, you know, facts and figures and evidence there. So spotting patterns, listening. So we might get patterns through listening to people, through external data, through, it's almost looking at lots of different sources and seeing whether you're getting a, an overall theme. Um, you yeah. talked about being careful about unhealthy traits, which is almost just being too dependent, being too fearful and just have confidence maybe in, in these sort of things and balancing the fact it doesn't have to be perfect. So our, our analogy about the restaurant, you take all the best data available at the time and put it together and make that choice. And that could mean that new data emerges in the future. that shows that that's why it was wrong. But at the time, we made the best decision available to us. So we're kind of saying go for it right we're going don't be scared of data go for it's kind of what you're saying Laura. what finals how would we summarize this yeah data is your friend <laughs> <laughs> data is your friend, absolutely <laughs> absolutely data is your friend and, and believe that be friendly to it and and, it, and it's and therefore it sets you free maybe because it's not yeah. about you being the expert which means that you can then come down with it actually relying on the data um and that's the best decision at the time and therefore you can change the decision in future with, with these data tells us something different Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 opened up opportunities
1: for me personally and professionally and excitement for the industry. And it's challenged me. I wouldn't have grown without data in my life. I wouldn't have been challenged. My thinking wouldn't have been challenged. I wouldn't have been wanting to explore something new and something fresh if I hadn't been challenged by the data that was surrounded by me. So, you know, sometimes it might be tough. But that challenge is where we learn and where we grow and where we
0: can kind of flourish. Absolutely. So if people want to learn more from you and connect with you, Laura, how, how would they find you? You're fairly easy to find on LinkedIn, obviously.
1: LinkedIn and Twitter are the places where people typically can find me. It's at Laura Overton on both of those. Um, I run um, a sporadic uh, newsletter on LinkedIn called Learning Changemakers, where I'm really interested in our role as influencing change, regardless of the level we are in the organization. Explore some of those themes and the work I do with emerging stronger I will give the podcast uh, the um, the uh, link to the site to you to put into your show notes as well but then yeah, you can find emerging stronger on the on LinkedIn as well
0: do you want to, do you want to just summarize
1: what it is uh so um I'm doing break so i'm doing work with emerging stronger um which is all about it's a global initiative it's a global project which is looking at how As people professionals, we can start to take smarter, bold action. And that's a kind of action that is kind of business first. It's um, open minded in terms of not being siloed. We've been talking about it's about L for leading and learning. So we're, we're trying new things, but we're learning as a result of them. And it's D for being deliberate. So bold action is what we need in our Um, industry at the moment and emerging stronger is how we kind of are exploring that together and we have a a global masterclass we do podcasts writing toolkits all kinds of different things to support the industry at the moment so definitely
0: you can find us on linkedin brilliant okay we'll we'll put all the links there laura and it's it's an honor so lovely to speak to you um, and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today Um, it's been a, a really thoroughly enjoyed and hopefully a really informative podcast for people inspire them to get get their hands dirty with data and be confident about it. Love the conversation. Thank you for having me. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.